Glenn, right here in New York, where we're talking, I know, personally, half a dozen impresarios dying to present you in concerts all across the country, your pick of locations. They offer to pay you any fee that you name. Why do you deny them all? Because it's not a very enticing prospect, John. It's a very flattering one, I suppose, but it's not an enticing prospect. The, I... the life of a glamorous concert artist... Is hideous, is dead, is, is part of the past. I think that that has no relevance to the contemporary musical scene. I don't think it even has very much relevance to the contemporary scene as regards performing music. I couldn't conceive of going back to that life. I was part of it for eight or nine, whatever it was, rather unpleasant years, rather traumatic years, years which I did it because I felt it was very good experience and perhaps necessary in the sense of creating an audience which might perhaps buy my recordings. But it was an experience that I wanted to be rid of and to shuck off as quickly as I could. And when that moment came, I, I did it. And I think it would be a terribly retrogressive step to, um, to retreat back into the embrace of the concert. How long since you've given a concert? It's about four years now. And they've been four of the very best years of my life. Um, four years in which I've come to terms with music and with myself, quay music, in a way that I didn't realize was possible before. I couldn't possibly go back, I think, to the concert without losing something of that coming to terminus. And I wouldn't be prepared to do that because it's been, um, it's been a remarkable experience to start thinking about music, not via an instrument, not by having to decide precisely what... Beethoven was really like, or Bach was really like, mm -hmm. and in terms of an instrument by which I might translate that decision to, the, to an audience. I've had to encounter a work and an experience of music once and once only, never to be repeated, perhaps, unless some other process like that of stereo ten years ago happens to befall us shortly, as yeah. it well may, I suppose. Uh, never to be repeated, and the fact of that finality is quite staggering and, and quite impressive. You mean it frees you to go on to something else? It you frees you to go on to something else. It also intensifies the experience of that single encounter with the work.
This is a requiem for Mississippi John Hurt. I wrote. It's based on an old spiritual uh, called Jesus is a Dying Bedmaker.
Even you find you have more options, more choice as an artist this way than on the concert boards. Well, you have, first of all, a means of really encountering music as a totally enjoyable and personal experience. That encounter does curious things to you. It, it makes you aware not just of a tremendous range of repertoire, which is good for you by and of itself. It makes you aware of the mental process of assimilating repertoire very quickly, which mm -hmm. is also very good for you. But uh, it also makes you aware of the, it sounds a little corny, of the magnitude of music. You mean you become less of a performer and more of a musician? Exactly. Your, your encounters are broadened. Exactly. And I... Well, that's very good for you, but there seems to be a considerable lack of comprehension and a great deal of ruefulness in the musical public and among critics and entrepreneurs, I must say, about this attitude of yours. It seems to get at them and put their backs up. They're still, four years later, shaking their heads mm -hmm. about it, about your willful refusal to appear in public as if you were personally hurting them. Yes, well, I think in a way I am, of course, because except for a few octogenarians, I'm really the first person who has, um, short of having a nervous collapse or something, given up the stage. I, I don't believe in it, and I don't think most people who do go believe in it. I think people go to concerts because it kindles memories, and they want to do that, simply because in kindling those memories, they feel it in some way. They've got a proximity with music. They haven't, of course. It's total self-deception. And most people who go to concerts are certainly not musicians and care very little about music, I think. Well, I suppose I can see their point. I mean the role, the position of a concert artist in our society is a very exalted one. Mm. Uh, you might almost say it's a throne toward which hundreds of thousands of music students are painfully swimming, climbing, mm. clambering, and then to have one of the most talented, most controversial, certainly a unique figure in music, suddenly step off the throne, drop the cloak and say, I don't want it. I can understand that this disorients them and makes them wonder, well, what is happening to our life? What's happening to our goals? I would like to think that I've replaced it with some much more viable goal, and you would be in a much better position to talk about the statistics relevant to the matter. I can't mm. claim that recording is the only future for music. Perhaps it's not. Perhaps recording combined with, I don't know, videotape cartridge is the more immediate future or something. But certainly it is one way in which music can be made a much more cogent experience to a much larger audience. In fact, I'm available if they choose to seek it out to a much larger audience.
cops at doors and roamed all over Coliseum floors. floors. I stepped on stage at Live Aid. All the people gave and the poor got paid. And out of speakers, I did speak. I wore my sneakers, but I'm not a sneak. My Adidas touched the sand of a foreign land. With Mike in hand, I cold took command. My Adidas in D close, ask him B. We make a mean team, my Adidas and me. We get around together. We're down forever and we won't be had when born in bad weather, my Adidas. Oh, my Dita. Uh. My, uh, my Dita. Standing on 25th Street, funky fresh, and yes, cold on my feet. With no shoestring in them, I did not win them. I bought them off the Ave with the black lead. Denim. I like to sport them, that's why I brought them. A sucker tried to steal them, so I caught them, and I, em. and I walked down the street and bopped to the beat. With Lee on my leg and Adida on my feet. And yo, now I'm just standing here shooting the gift. Me, Me and D and my Adida standing on 25th. My Adida. My Dita. Now, me and my Adidas do the illest things. We like to stomp out pimps with diamond rings. We slay all suckers who perpetrate and lay down law from state to state. We travel on gravel, dirt road, or street. I wear my Adidas when I rock the beat. On stage, front page, every show I go, it's Adidas on my feet, high, top, or low. My Dita. My Dita! What up, what up, what up, what up, what up? Now the Dita's I possess for one man is rare. Myself, homeboy, got 50 pair. Got blue and black, cause I likes to chill. And yellow and green when it's time to get, get Ill. Ill. Got a pair that I wear when I'm playing ball. With the hill inside, make me 10 feet tall. My, My Dita's! Only bring good news, and they are not used as felon shoes. They're black and white, white with black stripe. The ones I like to wear when I rock the mic. On the steps of a famous university, we took the beat from the street and put it on TV. My Adidas are seen on the movie screen. Hollywood knows we're good, if you know what I mean. We started in the alley, now we chillin' Cali. And I won't trade my Adidas for no beat or ballad. My Adidas, motherfuckers.
Does the average listener want a work dissected, or does he want to be swept away by it? I don't think the average listener perhaps knows quite what he wants, and I don't mean that derogatorily in any sense at all. I don't mm -hmm. know there's any reason the average listener should know quite what he wants. I don't think that I, as a very average car driver, know whether I'm driving a tight or a loose car, as a mechanic might define it. I simply know that I'm driving one, and it gets mm -hmm. me there. <laughs> Nevertheless, uh, I'm probably vaguely appreciative of the things that a good mechanic can do for that car. In the same way, I think that listener, whether he knows it or not, is appreciative of what a microphone can do for that work. And I'm quite sure that the Mahler 8 can create a much more overwhelming effect heard properly at home, intimately and quietly and reflectively than it ever can in a concert hall. Despite the splendor and the pageantry and the drama of, uh, say, Royal Albert Hall... And... But the splendor and the pageantry and the drama of Royal Albert Hall has to do with the fact that by George Old Henry Wood got up there for a thousand odd occasions and perhaps there are two thousand people in the chorus singing Mahler 8 at this moment and that's really not splendor and drama it's just statistics as Stalin said you know one man's death is a tragedy but for a regiment you know we can only regard it as a fact of life as statistics I, I can't see that this has any viability in the concert experience do you feel that a person can get everything out of a work of a piece of music more adequately at home than sitting in a concert hall sharing the experience with several thousand others? Yes, I do, very much so. I don't think that the pressure of 3,000 other apprehensive listeners um, can ever accommodate any one listener adequately to the concert experience because those listeners are very apprehensive. There's a very curious and and almost sadistic lust for blood that overcomes the concert listener. There's a waiting for it to happen, a waiting for the horn to fluff, a waiting for the strings to become ragged, a waiting for the conductor to forget to subdivide, you know? <laughs> and it's dreadful. I mean, there's a kind of gladiatorial instinct that comes upon the, the hardened, the case-hardened concert goer, which is why I suppose I don't like him as a breed and I don't trust him. And uh, I wouldn't want one as a friend. I, I don't really have any concert goers as friends. You have no concert goers as friends? I'd have to rack my brains, rep one or two way back someplace, but I can't recall any current thing. I moved your picture from my wall. And I replace them Both large and small And each new day Finds me so blue Nothing Takes the place of you I read your letter one by one And I still love you when it's all said and done And oh my darling I'm so Because nothing, oh, nothing takes the place of you. I 
It's raining on my window pane. I feel the need of you because without you. Nothing seems the same So I'll wait Until you're home Again I love you But I'm all alone And oh my darling I'm so blue Because nothing Oh, but nothing Takes the place of you
know you had that nobody else can understand.
Oh, no. 
Well, Glenn, as we talk, I can see some rather fascinating and strong contradictions thrusting up in your character. You, on one hand, have abandoned a concert career in favor of a more contemporary and electronically oriented career. At the same time, you dislike air conditioning. I've seen you get up and leave a restaurant because it was air conditioned. You dislike airplanes. You are cosmopolitan, yet you hate cities. You don't like New York. You can't wait to get back to Canada. And I know that very often during the course of a year, you'll take off either by car or by train into the northern wastes of Canada to look for, I don't know what, solitude or wildness or something. Or characters for another video documentary. Oh, <laughs> I'd overlooked that. <laughs> what is it? What does all this mean? What kind of a person are you anyway? Do you like cities or hate them? Oh, I do hate them. And I don't think there are as many inconsistencies as you'd like to find, John. First of all, the recording experience is the most womb-like experience that one can possibly have in music. It is a very cloistered way of life. Mm -hmm. And indeed, I've given up all that was non-cloistered in my musical life. So that there is no very great inconsistency there. The fact of having to make a recording in a large city like Toronto or like New York, where I most often make them, yeah. um, is inevitable at this particular moment. I don't know quite how that could be circumvented. I don't know that I'd want to. I think that two days in New York make me appreciate the north woods of Canada. <laughs> so perhaps that's a good idea. But uh, what about air conditioning? Do you like gadgets? Do you like the rest of our electronic impedimenta? I'm not interested in gadgets per se. I'm interested in what they can do for us, what I can do with them in my occasional efforts in radio, for instance. Gadgets as such don't interest me. But I don't think of myself as being a non-20th century person. I'm not really terribly concerned with contemporaneity either, on the other hand. Mm -hmm. uh, I can certainly see myself uh, leading a life in which cities played no part at all. And if I could build up a sufficient icebox at Columbia Records, that's precisely what I would do. I would like very much, as a matter of fact, to take off for about a year to some frontier experience. And in fact, I may do just that very shortly. I may very well go to the Canadian Arctic and spend a winter in the dark. I've even grown rather tolerant of air conditioning. You know, the Arctic changed all that. I've not had very much experience of the Canadian North, but just enough of it to know that I can put up with and think clearly in much cooler temperatures than I'd ever imagined possible. Oh. And if you've stood, as I have, at Fort Churchill, Manitoba, in two feet of snow, 81 degrees in the air, Hudson Bay entirely frozen, and with a few matey gathered about... That's 81 degrees eight, below... No, above, above. In the oh, middle 81. of June, with two feet of snow still on the ground, and in high rubber boots in order to encompass those contradictions, you begin to get a very curious barometric sense, and shift possibilities become available upon the moment. No, I think that I've become much more tolerant of things like air conditioning. That's fascinating. In other words... Since you have become more and more involved in radio and in television and in recording, do you feel more contemporaneous now than you used to? That's very curious. I, I feel that whether it's contemporaneity or not, I'm able to 